I'm having this conversation with Linda Ciotola, uh, who is a certified clinical psychodramatist. She's also a member of uh, USABP, and she has other certifications in the area of fitness and yoga. Linda, thanks for joining me for this conversation, which we will share with other members of USABP. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so uh, we can just uh, jump right into it. And uh, maybe one question I can ask you to start is, uh, in what way is psychodrama related to what's generally called as action methods? That's a great question. Psychodrama was actually developed by Dr. J.L. Moreno uh, back in the early part of the last century. He was actually uh, just a bit younger than Freud. And most action methods are actually derived from psychodrama. So, for example, a lot of gestalt work, empty chair work, role enactments, a lot of the work that Virginia Satir did all derived from psychodrama. And uh, while they may not have the whole structure of psychodrama, they're sort of derived and excerpted, if you will, from psychodrama. And we refer to the general uh, field as action methods, but the specific structure of psychodrama uh, was developed by Dr. Moreno. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, the psychodrama, this action, uh, in many people's mind is related to something that involves a lot of people and is a group process. So is psychodrama always a group process? Um, psychodrama is generally a group process. Uh, Moreno believed that we're all auxiliaries that help heal one another. And certainly the newer research on limbic resonance and empathic attunement will bear that out. However, um, I also uh, do what are called private psychodramas where uh, an individual client may contract with me to do what's called a private drama. And uh, sometimes it may just be the two of us in some empty chairs and some of what I call furry auxiliaries, which are puppets and stuffed animals that I have in my office. Uh, sometimes there may be one of my trainee uh, students doing auxiliary work. So it can be, uh, that's actually, if it's just two people, the director and the uh, protagonist, it's called psychodrama adieu, just for two. Um, so it can be a very um, individualized process in that regard, but it's generally used with groups, but it has a lot of applications for individual practice as well. Mm, okay. Um, and another question that probably a lot of people who listen to this would have is, um, uh, in what way is this related to, uh, to body psychotherapy? What's body-related about it? That's a great question. Actually, one of the things that appealed to me about psychodrama, uh, being a body-oriented person myself, was that Moreno knew very early on um, the importance of incorporating the body into any therapeutic work. In fact, one of his uh, great quotations is, uh, the body remembers what the mind forgets. Mm, the body remembers what the mind forgets. Yes. And uh, so... Psychodrama is itself, as a method, is a very embodied practice. So the body is involved. It's about uh, the direction for psychodrama is show me. It's not tell me. Mm. It's show me. So the person has to use um, the body to put into action their story. So it's about showing us their story, not just telling us their story. 
Okay, so showing you the story through the psychodrama. Yes, and I think the body to do it as well as the voice. Okay, so I think you ha you, uh, there are several stages in a psychodrama. That's right. There's the warm-up, the action, and the sharing, and those are the three essential elements. Um, the warm-up is basically uh, the preparation stage. It's getting the protagonist, who is the person whose story is going to be enacted, um, and the group warmed up, safe, ready, accessing the material. Um, the action stage is the actual enactment, um, the action piece, the story that will be shown. And sharing is a very essential part of psychodrama, and it takes place after the action has finished, and it is when the group comes together and shares with the protagonist how his or her story directly related or touched them in a personal way. In other words, it's not about advice giving or commenting on the process, but rather about saying, you know, your story really touched me in particular because I related to something in particular that happened in my life and here's what it was. And so the protagonist has really shared his or her story with the group as a way for the group to heal through the protagonist. In the sharing, the group gives back to the protagonist how they were helped by the enactment that occurred. Okay. So uh, if we go through these uh, three stages one by one, uh, maybe could you give me some uh, concrete sense of how you use uh, uh, body-related information to deal with them? I'd be happy to. Um, for example, in the warm-up, um, I can give you a, a very concrete example from a warm-up that I just did at the Psychodrama Conference. I did a workshop there for um, the attendees, and it was a training workshop, but still we used warm-up, action, and sharing. And for the warm-up, I asked the participants to think of a body-based activity that they really derived pleasure from, that they really enjoyed, mm -hmm. and to say their name, to say what it was, and then to show us with their bodies um, what that was. So, of course, you know, we had a number of things. You know, people showed us how they love to walk their dog or pet the cat or um, you smell um, soup that's cooking, um, feel the breeze on their face, enjoy swimming, mm. and to show all of these enjoyable body-based activities with their body, and then I had the group mirror each one back. And so involving the body in that way really warmed people up to the body-based focus of the work that we were doing, which, which was actually um, an action-based structure called the body dialogue um, in which the purpose is to help people develop an empathic relationship with the body. Okay, so if I understand correctly, then what happens is that in that warm-up phase, you help people connect with the body by uh, demonstrating, uh, going into their body of demonstrating something pleasurable, and their other part of empathy is for the other participants uh, to create empathy by also reenacting what they see uh, the protagonist doing. Exactly. Exactly. That's very accurate. And, and of course, in the warm-up, everybody gets to do it. So the whole group is doing it, and that's part of building the safety and developing the relationships in the group 
that will allow the safety to develop so that the work can take place. Because a little later on, I know that was really anchoring them in the strengths that they have in their body and the pleasures that they have in their body. And a bit um, later on, I did some work with them to help them get in touch with um, anything about their relationship with the body that was um, distressing to them. Okay. And I did that um, using the body in a nonverbal way. I paired um, folks into dyads and had them communicate um, in a nonverbal way what their body um, was needing from them, what their body wanted to say um, about how they were feeling and what they needed. And so um, that was a way to move them into uh, what we call the warm-up to prepare them for um, the action to take place. So we anchored the strengths in the body first and then got in touch with, um, you know, what body-based issues were up for people that they really wanted to resolve and work on. Okay, so uh, from the beginning, from the warm-up stage, uh, you didn't create safety by having people relate to each other's uh, situations in terms of describing them, but uh, the safety came from uh, going into the body and connecting at that body level. Yeah, actually I did both. Okay. Um, I did the one that I described to you, and I also did something called circle sociometry, um, which uses the body, but in a less um, uh, specific way. It's where uh, each person in the group gets to say um, something that's true for them. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know if it's true for other members in the, uh, in the group, and so uh, someone might say, for example, um, anyone who has ever struggled with... Um, with body image, uh, please step into the circle. And mm. anyone who's, who has had that struggle and who is willing to step into the circle then steps in. And so people begin to see that they're not alone and that other people in the group share the same struggles and concerns that they have. But again, they're not just saying it. They're actually stepping into the circle with their body. Okay. So from that very beginning, there is uh, that connection with the body that's part of the work. Exactly. So that is the, uh, the first stage, the warm-up. Right. And uh, so what happens at the second stage? The second stage is the action, and that's the enactment of the story. And that can be a full psychodrama, um, or it can be a short uh, piece of action, which is actually what happened uh, at the recent conference. Um, where uh, at the recent conference there was a protagonist chosen and she wanted to have a uh, conversation um, with her body to try to help and repair um, the relationship with the body. So I used uh, role reversal and incorporated some sensory motor processing into the work. Mm-hmm. And um, when it was finished, we had some sharing. Now, it might be um, in another situation, we may have a full psychodrama, um, if there is, which means that we need more time. So what's, what kind of time frame are you talking about for short or long? Uh, very interesting. I normally um, use, uh, I like to have a minimum of two hours for psychodramatic work, but I often book four hours for a full psychodrama. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when I do workshops, um, particularly if I'm co-leading workshops with colleagues of mine, 
um, then we may actually have a group coming and we may do what's called a retreat weekend. I have one coming up actually the first weekend in June um, with uh, one or two of my colleagues and we may work um, a Friday night, all day Saturday and say a half a day Sunday. So it really varies anything from two hours to a whole weekend. Okay, so that's, uh, the, the whole so the psychodrama unfolds over the course of the whole weekend in that case. Well, a single psychodrama normally would not be more than two and a half hours. Okay, so it's just... We might, you know, in the course of a workshop, incorporate uh, warm-ups. We might use music, movement, art, you know, other expressive arts modalities as well as psychodrama. Okay. So back to uh, the stage two, the, the action part. So how does body uh, information or body action, body movement, body information get be, to be part of it? That's a great question. Um, for, I'll give you an example. Um, a protagonist with whom I worked um, at one point in time said that, um, that what she wanted to get out of the drama was that she wanted to feel less heaviness in her body um, uh, when it came to a relationship that she had with a particular person in her life. And so I asked specifically um, what, um, you know, where in her body did she feel it and to describe it and ask some sensory motor processing questions and ask her on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, how, um, what was the level of heaviness that she felt. And so... Um, you know, at the end of the psychodrama, I was able to ask, you know, what's the level of heaviness that you feel now, which, of course, was an assessment question. But I also, um, you know, used that information in my directing to inform some of my directorial choices. Um, another example of how I use um, body in my work is I often will use my um, work as a yoga instructor and sometimes I will ask people to assume a certain yoga position um, in a role in a drama because taking that body position will help them to assume the role in a way that will be beneficial to them. So, for example, let's say that someone is in a role and they are trying to develop the role of being able to be assertive and speak their truth. <coughs> and they have difficulty doing it, that which shows up in the body collapsing. Mm. Uh, so I might actually ask them to take, let's say, the warrior two position, which is the pose of confidence in yoga. Mm -hmm. And I may ask them to take that position when they speak their truth in the drama as a way of helping them to feel more empowered in the body as they speak their truth. So in other words, um, there's an interplay that you uh, pay attention to what role they're playing in everyday life, what role they'd like to have. There is um, a sense of what, um, uh, how the, the role they play is associated with, say, a collapse in the body. Yes. There's a sense of how the role they would like to, to, uh, to have uh, corresponds to a physical uh, a body language or a body position. Yes. And... Uh, you play with that in the psychodrama. Exactly. And I also pay very close attention to the breath. Mm -hmm. In what way? Well, I, use, I do a lot of work with trauma survivors, and um, certainly, as we know, the breath um, 
is very deeply impacted. Breast patterns are impacted by trauma. And so um, I will be actually using my own body to tune in to the protagonist's body, and I will be listening for shallow breathing or rapid breathing, um, just monitoring um, the client's breathing, and also asking them um, to check in with their own breathing and to see where that is, because that gives me information as a director about um, how are they doing in terms of being able to stay present and grounded. Mm -hmm. So So I use my work as um, a yoga practitioner and um, my knowledge of the body and the breath to tune into the protagonist to help them to stay safe and grounded um, and to look for signs of dissociation so that I can... um, keep the protagonist present, safe, and grounded throughout the drama. So what you're talking about is that your work, while uh, the uh, one way to describe it is being a director, certainly another way to describe it is a, a very strong sense of tuning in uh, uh, to uh, what the protagonist is doing. Yes. In fact, um, that's really part of the director's role, is to be empathically tuned in to the protagonist and to be tracking how the protagonist is doing throughout the drama. Mm-hmm. That's a very important directorial um, task, if you will. So what helps you do that, actually? Is uh, your yoga background uh, something that you yes, find helpful? Are, that's a great question. There are several things that help me do that. Um, I would say very especially my uh, background in yoga helps me to do that. It helps me myself to stay present and grounded and in the present moment and able to be in the moment with the protagonist and keep my own self present and grounded um, so that I can access my own creativity. Um, Is that the breathing? I mean, what specifically helps well, it's, you? Uh, it's breathing. It's, uh, you know, keeping all uh, four, as I say, all four corners of the feet firmly grounded on the floor. Um, you know, just noticing within myself uh, my breath and using uh, my own awareness, as I said earlier, of the client. Now, there's also um, something else that's very helpful that I learned um, when I did my training with the therapeutic spiral model of psychodrama, that's a very specific adaptation of psychodrama that's used with trauma survivors. It was developed by Dr. Kate Hudgens, and I'm a certified team leader in that model. And there's something that we learned called the body double. The body double. The body double. There's a something called the double in regular classical psychodrama, um, which is a role in which the auxiliary, or sometimes the director, but it's usually an auxiliary person, uh, stands next to the protagonist and just slightly behind and really tunes in uh, verbally and non-verbally uh, to what the protagonist is saying, uh, both verbally and non-verbally, and tries then to articulate what is just under the surface but not being expressed. And if the double um, speaks what is accurate, the protagonist repeats it. If Mm. it's not accurate, the protagonist corrects it. So it's a lovely way for the protagonist to to really get in touch with what is inside and maybe not just at the surface, but also to feel really heard and validated. 
Now, a body double is an adaptation of that classical double in which the focus of the doubling is really at the body level. So the focus is on the posture of the protagonist, the breathing, um, you know, picking up on any movements that the body may be having that um, could be very subtle, and verbalizing those, bringing those to the attention of the protagonist, and then leading the protagonist from what might be um, the beginning of, let's say, a dissociative episode into the ability to be safe and grounded in the body by shifting the position of the body, the breath, and so forth. So you would um, uh, give feedback by um, telling the, the protagonist uh, something about the way their body is? Well, actually, the double takes the, the role of the inner voice of the protagonist. So the double, or body double, would speak from the eye as if he, oh. he were the protagonist or the protagonist's inner voice. So let's say um, I was acting as a, as a body double for a protagonist, and I noticed let's say that um, one foot was off the floor and that they were um, picking at the thumbnail. Mm-hmm. Um, I might say, I can notice that my right foot is off the floor and resting behind my calf. And I can slowly allow that foot to come down to the floor and I can uh, notice that my thumb... Um, can release from the other finger, mm. and my other hand can gently um, stroke my thumb rather than picking it. So it's noticing where the protagonist is and then leading them into a healthier, safer place. Okay. So you do that, um, and what's your, what's your body position? Are you sitting? Are you standing? Well, Are whatever you... the protagonist is doing, the double is doing. Okay, so you're, as the double, you're mirroring on a physical level exactly. what the protagonist is doing, but the, uh, in addition to mirroring it physically, you're also stating it uh, with the, uh, as an I statement yes. so that um, if the protagonist is not able to notice it physically, there is also that inner voice track. Exactly. So it is both verbal and nonverbal. Okay. That's right. That's right. So it's bringing them into awareness and then helping to lead them into um, a place of safety in the body. Okay. Because, you know, honestly, if someone is dissociated during a drama, then the drama can, it will either be ineffective at... Um, the very least, or re-traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And so safety is always my primary concern as a director. And so I'm paying attention to the pacing of the drama and really tuning in and noticing how's my protagonist doing. Okay, so you mentioned a lot of things about dissociation and trauma. So maybe um, what, is a, what are the kinds of people that you work with as a, in psychodrama? Um, Well, as I say, I work with um, people who have been traumatized, maybe have suffered uh, physical, sexual, emotional abuse, um, have been through disasters, uh, medical traumas, wars, um, you know, any any type of trauma. And oftentimes they are also, of course, suffering with depression and other mood disorders, um, anxiety disorders, substance abuse disorders, eating disorders, 
Um, so, you know, very complex. But I want to make clear that uh, action methods in psychodrama are very useful um, for uh, role training in non-trauma-related situations. They're very use it's very useful to use in school settings, educational programs, uh, businesses, any place where people need to um, have role training in their lives. And also there's a group work that is called sociodrama that is focused on issues that are particular to a group um, that people uh, have in common and want to explore. So, so in, it has a lot of applications. This just happens to be my particular area of interest and expertise. And if I understand correctly, it's not something that you work uh, exclusively uh, with one client. It's something that you can do on a one-time basis in collaboration with somebody's therapist? or Yes. For example, I work very closely with a colleague of mine who's a licensed clinical social worker. Um, and... Uh, she sees her clients, of course, on a very regular basis and oftentimes uh, brings me in as an adjunctive therapist and specifically to do action methods uh, with her client or clients um, on a particular issue. And I might do that uh, with uh, the therapist and the client and myself in, let's say, a two-hour time block in her office. Um, or we might schedule time for a private psychodrama, so we would go for a longer period of time, and I may bring in one or two auxiliaries. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, one of the more um, frequent ways in which I work. Okay. Um, and I wanted to, to just maybe uh, still stay there for a moment about, um, you know, uh, how you measure. Is there any kind of benchmark or uh, how, does, how do, you, do you evaluate progress or goals? That's a great question. Um, I said earlier that, um, you know, I always, we always ask in the very beginning what, um, what does the client want to have be different, um, you know, as a result of the drama. And uh, so, for example, let's say the client who mentioned um, letting go of the feeling of heaviness, you know, and I might say, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, where is the heaviness now? Well, if the person says that, you know, the heaviness is 9 um, at the beginning of the drama, and I ask at the end of the drama, what level is the heaviness now, and they say 2, then that's a measure that we met the contract for the drama, that there was a significant decrease mm -hmm. in the feeling of heaviness. Um, it's not always um, that specific. It might be, um, you know, that uh, the protagonist could say, you know, I want to really work on my ability to um, speak the truth um, for myself without, um, without collapsing, without feeling guilty or... Um, you know, whatever the issue is, um, we state the contract for the work at the beginning, and then we evaluate at the end, was the contract for the work met? Okay. And that's a question that the protagonist can answer. So in a way... Very specific to the drama. Okay, so, and so that gives us a transition for the, uh, we spent quite some time on the second phase, but that maybe helps us transition to the third phase of the drama. Exactly. And so the third phase, as I said earlier, is really about sharing. It's when 
the group shares with the protagonist how his or her work touched them, helped them, related to experiences that they had um, in their own life. And so it's also a way of what we call de-rolling. So if any group members played a role in the drama, they can speak from the role of what they experienced in role in the drama and then speak from their own personal lives. And that helps the process of de-rolling as well as helps the protagonist to really hear um, how his or her work um, was useful for other members of the group. And of course, it helps to, to enhance the group's solidarity and the group cohesiveness if it's part of an, let's say we have an ongoing psychodrama group in particular, and it may meet you know, weekly or twice a month or once a month. And as the group continues to meet, the cohesiveness from the sharing continues to build, and so the work of the dramas can go deeper and deeper over time mm -hmm. because of the safety that's built. But there can be safety built in a single session because I have seen it done and you know a lot of the work that we do in warm-up and then that we finish in the sharing really provides that uh, container of safety. So thanks, Linda. That was really a very nice, very great introduction to, uh, to psychodrama and how it interacts with body psychotherapy. Well, it's my pleasure. I really love uh, using these two fields together, and I also love uh, working with uh, other colleagues and interweaving music and movement and art and, uh, you know, having what I consider a, a lovely tapestry of healing. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website relationalimplicit.com